been really nice. We actually have at the moment um, five people who are who have already made that decision for baptism and who are in baptismal classes. And so we're really excited that later on this year we'll have those five lovely individuals getting baptized. Um, but yes, as Shenzhen has mentioned, if, if anyone else is interested, please come talk to us at any time. I want to... Um, this is the QR code, by the way, for the registration link for the retreat. Um, so if you uh, take a picture of it with your phones, it should automatically pull up um, the, the site, the registration site. And we do want to encourage you to um, please uh, register um, so that we can um, have the right numbers for the retreat venue, uh, for food, and for the tree ropes experience on Sunday. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. If you've come to our retreats in the past, you know that it's a really good time. And if you haven't, then you're in for a treat, especially because we have a new, uh, guest speaker this year who um, I'm really excited about. Celia has um, pretty much experienced the gamut of scholarship in various fields of expertise. So she's been a doctor, she's been a lawyer, she's been a coroner, she has studied theology, she, she writes, she's, she's, a very, um, she's a very deep thinker, um, she's a very interesting presenter, um, and a fantastic person. And so please come to the retreat to meet her and, and um, hear about making space for God. That's the theme, making space for God in the busyness of our lives, right? In the secularness of our lives where there's so many distractions and there's so many things happening. How do we make space for God? So we invite you to come along for that. Today, my um, sermon is called Discovering Your Spiritual Gifts. Do you remember when you were a little kid and someone would ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Do you remember that? What do you want to be when you grow up? This is my son, Micah, at his kindergarten graduation. And they asked all the children, what do you want to be when you grow up? And some of the children said they want to be teachers like their kindergarten teacher. That was like the most popular answer. Some people said they want to be astronauts. And our wonderful son said he wants to be a transformer firebot. Yeah, and someone else said they want to be Darth Vader. But Micah said he wants to be the Transformer Firebot. And I wanted to tell him, well, and then I thought, you know what? Let him dream. Let him dream. Because when we're young, we are uninhibited by reality. Anything is possible, right? Anything is possible. Do you remember what you wanted to be when you were a little boy or a little girl? Oh, what, does he, what do you want to be? A teacher. See, that's a good one. You're going to be a fantastic teacher. See, as we grow up, you know, we have all these dreams, but then we, be we begin to realize that we need a career that has a payslip, and our dreams become forgotten memories sometimes. And we call this adulting, but I wonder sometimes, could this be this, this kind of forgetting of our dreams in order to kind of conform to the expectations of others, could this be one of the reasons why 45% of Australians experience mental illnesses such as depression, anxiety, or substance abuse sometime in their lifetime? This is according to the National Survey of Mental Health and Wellbeing. That this discrepancy between your dreams and your interests and your hobbies and the reality of the 9 to 5 or 9 to 9 or whatever your hours are, throughout the week, going in and doing these jobs that you really don't enjoy and that drain you. And that Monday morning comes around and you're just like, ah, don't want to get out of bed. 
In just one year, over 4 million people in Australia receive mental health-related prescriptions. Over $9 billion are spent in mental health-related services here in Australia. People are not happy. People are not at peace. People don't get to spend their days, their weeks, their months filled doing with things that bring them meaning and joy. And I want to share with you today that God has a better plan for us. That even though we might not be able to switch careers, even though we might not become, you know, be able to achieve our goals of being transformer firebots, right? Even though it might not be exactly, uh, we might not get to achieve everything we want, but there is still a way that God has said we can experience meaning and joy in our lives. And I want to present to you today that the way to do that is to discover and utilize your spiritual gifts. And that once you discover and utilize, that you utilize them not just for yourself, for your own kind of progress and your own achievements, but that you use them to honor God and to help others. And that there's a joy and there's a peace and there's a meaningfulness that come from living out God's will for your life. What do I mean by spiritual gifts? It's, it's, a, it's a very churchy term. What does it mean, spiritual gifts? Well, it comes from um, the Bible. And, and the Bible uh, was written by various individuals over time as they interacted with God. And there is one individual named Saul who used to be anti-Christian. He persecuted the Christians. He thought that they were um, completely you know, uh, going against his beliefs and his worldview. So he persecuted them, imprisoned them, killed them. And this is in the first century AD. But he has an encounter with Jesus and he becomes a Christian himself. It's a story of, uh, um, that gets repeated throughout history. And once he becomes a Christian, he then gets persecuted and imprisoned. And while he's in prison, he writes various letters to the various churches that he helped establish um, over the years. Like you, Shandon, he has been part of many churches and he, he cares about all of them and in the people there. So he writes these various letters. And I want us to look at one of them today. It's called Romans. This is the, the letter that he wrote to the church in Rome, to the Christians in Rome. Romans chapter 12. If you want to follow along in the White Bibles, it's page 912, uh, 913. It's also on the screen for those who are watching online. So in the letter to the church in Rome, Paul is describing um, this idea that everybody is a living offering or living sacrifice that we all have a role to play. And this is what he says in verses six to eight. Paul says, and by the way, Saul's name became changed to Paul when he encountered Jesus. He says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. I love this list because, you know, when we think about kind of talents and gifts, sometimes we think about, oh, well, you know, speaking, you know, public speaking, or maybe you're really gifted in arts or, you know, we kind of think it has to be something extraordinary or something upfront. But if you look at this list, things like serving, 
Things like encouraging, giving generously, being kind. These are spiritual gifts. He goes on, to, uh, he, he speaks to another church this time in, in Corinth, which is um, current day uh, part of Greece. And he writes, a spiritual gift, he, he, he kind of defines it for us, is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. So another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The key message I want you to get out of this list, because you know, there's several lists in the Bible, and, and these lists are not exhaustive. You might have a gift that's not on there, but these are just some examples. The point that I want to emphasize is that in verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to some of us, a few of us, each of us, each of us. That means every single person sitting here and watching online and around the world, every single person has been given at least one spiritual gift by God. And one spiritual gift is not better than another. He goes on to say this uh, in the next few verses. He says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Verse 15, If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head, head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And he goes on to talk about how every single part of that body is important, and every single part of the body has a specific role to play. So we all need each other, and we all need everyone to utilize their spiritual gifts in order for the body to function as a whole. Some of these parts are quiet, you know, and like the year, it's, 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 it's not the one that's speaking, it's not the one that's seeing, but it's listening. And some of us have those behind-the-scenes gifts. And, you know, I, I think about all, um, James and Kim and Ben and Caroline and Scarlett and Mervyn and Alice and Deanna, people who come here and not, who wake up at 7 in the morning on a Saturday to get here by 9 o'clock and set everything up so that we can have church. They do an incredible job. And, and you know, if you think about it, coming and, and setting up chairs and tables doesn't necessarily require you to, you know, have a, a PhD in that field. It just requires that faithfulness and that willingness to come and serve. It's a spiritual gift of service and faithfulness that these individuals have. And I want to encourage you, if, if you don't know exactly what role you want to play, 
we need help coming and, and giving, um, giving these individuals a hand because many hands give lighter work and we can get things done faster. So if you want to come help us set up the tables and chairs, please come talk to us. And we're going to be in a moment uh, in the think tank talking about various ways to make the ministries of our church better. And, and one, one area is, is greeting and welcome. Um, we, you know, we have faithful people who come early to um, greet upstairs and downstairs. But lately we've been saying, you know what, we actually need more than just one person downstairs. Because I'm sure as, as you've experienced as you walk in, if, if one person is letting the other person on the lift, there's no one at the front door. And we've ha sometimes had people come and they're not really sure what's happening. There's nobody there and they walk away. We've had that happen several times. And so lately we've been saying, actually, we need two people downstairs. One who's always in the front of the door, one who's at the lift kind of in between. Um, and, and ideally we'd have two people upstairs so that one person can, can greet at the table, another person can help guide someone to the chairs. But that means rostering four people per week, which we don't have enough volunteers. So again, you know, everybody, everybody um, can do something. And it doesn't necessarily have to be up front speaking or sharing a testimony, which takes a lot of courage. Thank you, Shendon. Um, you don't have to sing. You don't have to play an instrument. If you just want to smile, say welcome and guide people to the lift, that's something that would really help us. Every single person has a calling. You know, we typically use that term calling to talk about pastors. You know, and we talk about, oh, I've been called to the ministry. But I want you to pay attention to Ephesians. So another letter that Paul wrote, this time to the church in Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey. And um, this is what Paul writes. He says, therefore, he's in prison still, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Verse 7, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. So, the Bible says every single one of us has been called by God. Every single one of us has been given a spiritual gift. I've been called to, to preach and to teach and, and to give Bible studies, you know, as a pastor. But you've been called to serve, to help, to also maybe speak, to perhaps do music, do art. You know, there's so many spiritual gifts, but every single one of you has been called by God. Every one of you has a special purpose that God has instilled and given to you to fulfill. So how do we find out what that is? How do we discover our spiritual gifts? Hopefully you've each um, been given a handout. There is an online survey, and uh, Diana has nicely put the QR code in here for you. Now, I don't want you to do this right now because it's quite an extensive survey. It took me about... 25 minutes to do. And so I don't want us to do that right now because then we'll be here for a long time. But I do want you to take this home and do that um, at home. Um, and for online viewers who don't have the QR code, it's the website there on the screen for you. Um, but what I've done is in the handout, I've taken kind of a chunk of it out um, to put on the handout for you now so that you can have a look at some of these questions that will trigger, hopefully, that discovery and that process of finding out what your spiritual gifts are. Let me go over it very briefly with you. So here are some of the questions. If you could do anything you wanted to do, what would it be? Right? Remember I asked, well, what, what, when you were a little kid, you know, what did you wanna what did you want to be when you grow up? And now that you're an adult or getting to be an adult, 
and you have a better idea of what you like and you know better idea of what's available, if you could do anything you wanted to do, what would it be? Or complete this sentence. At the end of my life, I'd love to know I had done something about blank. Or what do your friends think you're passionate about? You know? And if you're not sure, ask them. Ask your friends. Hey, what, what do you think I'm passionate about? What are some things I talk about all the time? Right? What are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? And here's an interesting one. What were some of the five to seven best moments of your life? And why were they so meaningful to you? If you kind of write down kind of five to seven of your, of your favorite, most meaningful moments of your life and then try to see what's the pattern here? What's the pattern here? There's also a whole slew of kind of areas. There's more than this but this is all I could fit onto the page um, on the screen for you. But here are some areas that some people um, are interested in. What kinds of words jump out at you? What are you interested in? For example, I know Naomi loves the environment. I know it because she often talks about it. She practices it. That, that, I, I know that's something that is Naomi's spiritual gift, is her passion for the environment. And there are some people who uh, feel really gifted with children, I know, Niari, you were telling me that you feel that giftedness and that, that passion for children. Some of you are interested in healthcare and helping people um, become healthier, whether it's through medicine, through um, exercise, through nutrition, right? Perhaps it's social justice. Perhaps that gets you really um, passionate, something that you really care about, social justice. Or perhaps it's your family, the relationships, helping people build better relationships and really uh, caring for those relationships. Whatever it is, there's um, a whole list and, and beyond. I'm sure there are other things that I haven't listed um, of things that could be that trigger that makes you think, oh, yeah, that's something I'm really interested in. That's one way that you can find out your spiritual gift. Also, there's a long list on the page of kind of what, what are some adjectives you would say describes you now or describes who you want to be? Right? Something that you're already doing or something that you want to be doing more of? So, you know, I've, I've got several slides here from A to Z. Um, there's so many ways. For example, interviewing. Perhaps you're really good with talking to people and figuring out other people's stories. That's actually a gift, a gift to be able to talk to people and get them to open up, right? Oprah has that gift, right? All those talk show people get there because they have that gift of being able to interview people well. Um, some of these, um, you know, you don't really think about. Pioneering, being the first one to do something, right? That's a gift because it takes, it takes um, it's a special uh, ability to be able to do something no one else has done before, right? Bargain hunting. Perhaps you're really good at finding that great deal. And, and, and you laugh because you think, oh, is that really a spiritual gift? But yes, it can be. It can be. Because everybody has a, a special gift that actually helps others and that can honor God. I feel like my husband is good at that. I feel like that's one of his spiritual gifts. He's able to find really good deals and bargain with the... I remember when we got these microphones and, and the camera. He somehow got them to drop $1,000 because he was able to get bundle everything together and 
You know, I can't do that. I go in and I'm like, okay, I'll give you the money, you know. But, but Roy knows how to, how to get a good, good deal. And thanks to that, we were able to save money as a church and as a family, right? Um, mind you, we have like 20 dinosaurs because he's like, these are great deals. Little toy dinosaurs. I'm like, really? He's like, yes, one day we think I have great resale value. I'm like, oh, we have 20 dinosaurs like in the house. Anyways, and so everybody has a spiritual gift. Everybody has something that they can contribute to honor God and to help others. So I want you to think through this handout um, later on. Um, hopefully you can have a little more time with it. Also that QR code um, basically is this plus extra questions. Um, so you can do one or the other, I suppose. But discover your spiritual gifts. And you probably have more than one, but you have at least one, at least one. And when you find it, you have to ask, how can I use this to honor God? Because that's what it's for. How can I use it to help others? How can I use it to help others? And, you know, it might not seem like much to us, our spiritual gift, you know, whatever it may be. Perhaps you're really kind. And you might think, oh, is, I don't feel really gifted or talented. But did you know that your kindness is actually an amazing spiritual gift that is very rare in the world today? When I think about what happened in Christ Church and the people in those mosques who were trying to, you know, churches and, and mosques and, and, sang, um, and uh, any, any, any place, temples, any place that is a place of worship should be a, a safe place. Should be a place where people can come together for peace and for a community. And it breaks my heart that they were there for that purpose and that um, people came and, and completely shattered that safety and completely destroyed those communities, um, families, and, and, and the kind of experience they were able to have there. Um, and of course, it has impacted um, the whole country and, and others as well. And um, I just think to myself, kindness is such a rare thing today. And you know, and the Bible actually talks about that. God, Jesus actually said, in the, in the end days, the love of many will grow cold. In other words, Jesus says, in the end days, people will be selfish. He says they will only care about money and themselves. He says they will not know how to love anymore. They will not be kind anymore. And we see that. And so we need kindness. We need listening ears. We need people who can encourage. And so many of you are looking out, have that gift because I've received it. I know you have it. And so it's, it's a special thing to cultivate to cultivate and cherish and use for God and for others. And even though it doesn't seem like very much to us, in God's hands, they can do amazing things. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is of a little boy and his lunch. You see, whenever Jesus spoke, people loved listening to him. They could listen to him for hours and forget that they're hungry. And these crowds were following Jesus one day and he's teaching them and, and he's worried because he knows that they haven't eaten in a long time and he's worried that they're going to become faint, right? And so he turns to his disciples and he says, do we have food to give these people? I'm worried about them. I care about them. And I love the disciples' response. Philip, who apparently has the gift of mathematics, right? He says to Philip, hey, where can we buy bread? Uh, sorry. He asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Um, in other versions, he says, you know, do you have food to give them? 
And Philip, he's testing Philip because he already knows what he's going to do, Jesus. But Philip replies, even if we work for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them because he's calculating. He's doing the math. He's like, look at all these people times, you know, this is how much it costs to buy some food. He's like, not going to happen, Jesus. But then we have Andrew. And it's true. I love the name Andrew. If we had a third son, I would name him Andrew. But we're not having any more children. Um, But... I love the name Andrew because Andrew was someone who had the spiritual gift of, he's kind of in the background. He's not like Peter, James, and John, who's always talking, who's always, you know, up front. And Andrew's in the background, but he's always the one gently, kindly saying, come, come join us. Come and join. He's inclusive, welcoming. And um, so Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, and, you know, poor Andrew, he always gets kind of described as Simon Peter's brother. He's, he's the one in the background. He speaks up and he says, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? So notice, you know, he has the gift of faith, but it's not very big. It's a very small seed of faith. He's like, oh, there is this, but it's, it's not quite enough, Jesus. But the fact that he even brings it up, right, means he's got a little bit of faith. Because I wouldn't have even brought it up. Because there was the point. But Andrew brings it up because there's a, there's a bit of him that's like, oh, there's, there's this, Jesus. There isn't much, but there is this. And that's enough for Jesus. Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. So probably there were about 10 or 12,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Can you imagine how the little boy felt? I I imagine this, you know, how did Andrew end up with his lunch? Did he steal it from the boy? I don't think so. I think this little boy was sitting there mesmerized by what Jesus was sharing. That he forgot about the lunch that his mom had packed, like a good mom. I've been doing lunch boxes for Micah now for six weeks. And um, some days it comes back all, like, he, I can tell he enjoyed it because it's all gone. Some days it comes back. I'm like, so you didn't like the carrots? And um, <laughs> usually when Roy packs them, like, Michael eat it all. He really likes, he really likes what daddy packs. Mommy tries to sneak in, like, more vegetables. But, um, and so I can imagine that this little boy's mom thought, you know what, he's going to get hungry when he's with Jesus. So she had packed him five barley loaves of bread and two little fish. And this little boy, you know, he had forgotten how hungry he was until his stomach probably started growling. And then he thought, oh, yes, my lunch. But I think this little boy had the spiritual gift of generosity. And he looked at Jesus and he thought, I, I love listening to Jesus. And Jesus has been talking this whole time. He must be hungry. And I imagine he went up to share his lunch with Jesus. But I think because he's a little boy, he was a bit intimidated, especially because there were 12 big, gruff men around Jesus. Some of them are fishermen, you know, big and strong, and they look a bit rough. And so the little boy probably looked and saw Andrew. Andrew had the spiritual gift of welcoming and, and, and approachability. And, and so I think, I think maybe Andrew smiled at him, and, and the little boy went up and said, this is for Jesus, and maybe he kind of quickly ran away after that. And so then now Andrew has this little boy's lunch. So when Jesus asks Hey, do we have food to feed the people? He's like, well, I've, I've got this. And can you imagine how the little boy felt? 
when Jesus takes that lunch and blesses it and starts this amazing miracle that he gets to have back not just five loaves and two fish, but as much as he wanted to eat and thousands of people and leftovers that he now can pack back up in his lunch sack and run back home and tell his family, look what Jesus did with my lunch. Whatever spiritual gifts you may have, God can turn that into a miracle. God can turn it into a miracle because in God's hands, our little something can bless a whole community. In God's hands, we can feed the hungry, comfort the brokenhearted, release the imprisoned, open the eyes and the minds of those in darkness, lead someone to Jesus. All we need to be do, all we need is to be willing to to use it to honor God, to give back to God, and to help others. Can you imagine how happy that little boy was? The joy that he got to experience because he knew that his little lunch was part of this incredible miracle. This is one of the few stories that is found in all of the gospel stories: Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, because it was such an important story, and that little boy is mentioned. We too can experience the joy of knowing that we are answering God's call for our lives. Whether it's in our workplace, in our homes, in our communities, in our church, there's a role for us. So even if you don't like your job, let's say you really don't like your job, whatever it may be, that's okay. You have a spiritual gift that you can utilize in that job that can bring you joy. I love the story. There's a lady in America, you know, here in Australia, we get our toll money taken from us. The beep, um, on our way to church, we take toll. And every time it beeps, Micah says in the back, that's taking our money again. <laughs> he knows that the beep means, up oh, cha-ching, money comes out of our bank, right? In America, um, there are a few places still where there's an actual person taking your money, okay? The toll gates. And so there's a queue and people go and, um, there's this one lady who, is, who works there, and you see the cars. Um, I forget which state it's in, but, you know, there's usually several lanes, and you usually pick the one that has the least number of cars, right? Because you want to get through quickly. But there's this one lane that has a whole queue of cars while the other lanes are free. Do you know why? Because that lady that is working there in the toll booth, getting like however many cents, you know, per car, whatever it is, she in the morning gets a bunch of flowers and she hands a flower to every person that comes through and says, God bless you. And, or something affirming, like have a lovely day or whatever it may be. She says something positive to them and gives them a flower and cars will queue up just for her to get her smile, to get that affirmation, to get that bit of kindness in their day. It would be tedious to be a toll booth operator and gate person. I would hate that. But she's managed to turn it around by using her spiritual gift of encouragement and kindness and generosity to turn that job into something that's meaningful for her and is a blessing to her entire community. How can we utilize 
our spiritual gifts to bring joy to others, to answer God's call for our lives. I want to invite you to go on that journey of discovery and, of course, that journey of answering God's call. In your workplace, in your classrooms, in your home, in your community, and in our church. Today, instead of uh, the usual questions of discussion, we have a think tank. And, and we've, got, um, we've chosen just six areas of our church's ministry that we would love for you to, to pick one that you're interested in, one that kind of you, you, want, you have ideas about. And um, to sit at that table, Diana has, loved, has done a great job of, of labeling the tables for you in the back so that you can sit down at that table and whoever's there, just brainstorm. No idea is a bad idea. Just brainstorm ways that you can make that ministry awesome. Okay? Dream big. Anything is possible. How can we make, you know, our greeting and welcome process from the moment someone walks in to, to, to all the way to making them feel included and, and, and welcomed? How can we make that awesome so that people think, wow, I've, I've loved coming and, and I never felt so more welcome in my life, right? Or how can we make our worship services awesome? How can we really honor God and help others experience an amazing worship service? How can we reach out to the community? How can we make our out outreach really meaningful? How can we use our technology and our social media? How can we cultivate church community? That means how can we become more glued together and, and um, really uh, build our sense of community? And of course, um, how do we, how do we increase our spirituality? How can we grow in our knowledge of the Bible? How can we grow in our relationship with God as a church? There's always more we could be doing, right? And each one of you has a special gift. And this doesn't mean that you're committing to helping with that ministry. This is just you spending the next half an hour brainstorming and bringing your spiritual gifts into that discussion and, and giving us different perspectives and different ideas. Because when we all work together, we get to experience the joy of community. When we all work together, we become the body of Christ, right? Each of us is one part of the body. And when we work together, we get to represent Jesus to the world. Because we are not just a random body, we are the body of Christ. That when we work together, people can see Jesus' kind heart. That when we work together, they can feel Jesus' healing hands. That when we work together, that they can see Jesus' loving arms reaching out to them. That as a body, each of us doing our part and working together, we then can embrace the world and they can see the love of Jesus for themselves. So I want to challenge you today to discover and utilize your spiritual gifts to honor God and to help each other. And for our closing song, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, Roy, are you coming up? to, to uh... So our church, you know, we have people of all ages and we, we like doing things that include the children. And this is a children's song. And I'll let Roy introduce it for us. I'm going to have Micah help me. You going to help me? Joshua, are you going to help us? Are you going to come to the front and help us? Okay, Andrew? Levi, do you guys want to help us too? Okay, we're going to have everybody stand. If everyone would have group participation, if you can stand. I realize, I just now realize I've um, 
the lyrics are going to be a little bit difficult to see for some of you, but they're, they're easy to remember. Okay, everybody stand. Everybody hold your neighbor's hand. I know we're, we're becoming a bit intimate here. Hold your hand. And here's how the song goes. It goes, when we all work together, together, together. But when we sing that, you've got to swing your arms together, okay? When we all work together, together, together. Okay, so that's how that first part goes. And then the second part goes, when we all work together. And when it says the happier we'll be, you clap. The happier we'll be. Okay? So that's the first That's the first uh, slide. Can we go to the second slide, James? So this part, it goes, when your work, and point to your neighbor, is my work. Point to yourself. And... Our work is God's work. Okay, so that's that third part. And then the fourth part is, and then hold your hand again. When we all work together, the happier we'll be. All right, so we'll try it, we'll try it a couple times and see how we go. Okay, first, first slide. So, when we all work together, 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 when we all work together, the happier we'll be. When your work is my work and our work is God's work. When we all work together, the happier we'll be. All right, good. Let's try it one more time and then we'll finish for today. Faster. Faster. <laughs> Sue, would you like to come up and help us too? <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, we'll do we'll do a little bit faster. Okay, ready? When we all work together, together, together. When we all work together, the happier we'll be. When your work is my work and our work is God's work. When we all work together, the happier we'll be. All right, thank you. You can remain standing. You can remain standing for our closing prayer. Okay. Go, go down. <laughs> Let's have a word of prayer. Father God, thank you that you have given each of us a work to do and that you've given us as a church body a work to do in representing you and sharing the love of Jesus to the world. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us all to discover our spiritual gifts and, more importantly, to utilize them to honor you and to help others. And, Father, as you spend the next half hour thinking about how we can utilize them here in this church to be your body to reach this city, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us wisdom and would give us um, clarity and would give us ideas and would help reveal to us how important each of us is to to your work. Thank you for trusting us to this important task and for loving us. We pray in your son's name. Amen.